Welcome to the In Awe and Wonder podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Hamilton. So today we are going to be talking about another name of God, which is one of his attributes that we see in the Bible. And then I'm going to move on to sharing with you what my current reading pile is, what books that I have to read. There are some that I have started before, um, maybe even a couple years ago, and just kind of dropped off from reading. And so I do hope to pick those back up as well and finish them. I'm one who loves to make it a priority to finish books. I don't like leaving them unread. But I also have a hard time just sticking to one book. I'm never reading just one book at a time. I usually have at least five or six going at once and sort of rotate through them as whatever I'm thinking about the most or most in the mood for reading about at that time. And sometimes in that rotation, then some books kind of get dropped off and left. Just something in me, I don't know, some mild OCD, like I have to finish the books. I also have a huge pile of books because I just keep on wanting to read more and more and learn more and more. So you will see later when I share my book pile with you, the different topics that I'm interested in. And some of these books were ordered, I don't know, three, four, maybe even five years ago, and I still have not gotten to them. I have had other books come up and kind of get in the way, if you will, of me reading the older ones because some new topic or interest I felt more compelled to read about first. The, the books that I'm going to share are all nonfiction. They have to do with theology, Bible study, areas of ministry, and Christian growth. It is very rare that I read fiction. In other words, I guess you could say I'm a nerd. (laughs) So the name of God that we're going to look at next in scripture is El Shaddai, which means God Almighty. Any of you who were Christians back in the, I guess it would be 90s, might remember Amy Grant's song El Shaddai. And I'll put a link to that song in the show notes in case you aren't familiar with it or are interested in hearing it, or if you just want to take a trip down memory lane and play it again. And so this name of God has been familiar to me ever since then. I was a huge Amy Grant fan back then. And also my mom played the piano and she had the music to this song and would play it and sing it at the same time quite a bit in our house. And so The name El Shaddai for God is very familiar to me. So this name of El Shaddai or God Almighty, we see in Genesis chapter 17 for the first time where God was revealing himself as God Almighty to Abraham. And it was when he was telling Abraham of the everlasting covenant that he was establishing with him and his descendants. And then it wasn't until the time of Moses when God shared his name as Yahweh which became known as the name of God. The patriarchs before Moses basically considered El Shaddai as the covenant name of God. So I'm going to go ahead now and read Genesis 17 verses 1 through 21. 
When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you, throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised, every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring. Both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh, an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him, and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father twelve princes, and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. So in this passage, we see that God revealed himself as God Almighty. And it is showing us that he is God of the impossible, meaning he is all-powerful to be able to do anything that he pleases. So the example in this passage was that he was going to bless Abraham and Sarah with a child in their old age, which seemed like an impossibility. But also then the awe and wonder of God coming to establish a covenant with Abraham and that he cares, and that he will sustain and bless Abraham and his descendants, and that he will fulfill all of his promises. A lot of the surrounding lands and countries back in that time had idols, and they were just idols, meaning images, that were carved out of wood or stone or metal. And the people in those lands would worship those idols, and call them the gods of their lands or whatever. They were just dead, lifeless, not powerful, not living or anything in any way, idols that they were worshiping. Yes, I believe that some of those idols probably had demonic forces behind them 
that would sometimes show certain things or powers, but they were just idols and images made from human hands and put up as something to worship. I know that the human heart was made for worship, and that is our inclination to worship something. So even if uh, someone isn't a Christian worshiping the one true God, they will be worshiping something or even multiple things. And then uh, also for us Christians, it's easy for us to fall into the temptation and sin of raising other things up in our lives as idols and giving some of our worship, so to speak, to that thing or that person or idea, whatever it might be. And so we just need to always be careful and be on guard for that and come back to the one true God. I think that studying the names and attributes of God is one way to bring our focus back. And if we can stay in awe and wonder of him and who he is and what he does, that it is much easier to give him our proper worship and focus and not as much on other people, places, events, ideas, whatever it might be. So over against all the powerless dead idols is the one true living God who is all-powerful. So another interesting tidbit I came across in getting ready for this episode is that in Hebrew, El Shaddai can literally be translated as God the Mountain One. Many of the gods from the ancient Near East were associated with mountains, so early translators may have made an educated guess regarding its meaning. Like the mountains themselves, God is seen as strong and unchanging. So as God Almighty, we can see that it includes things from being the one who creates and maintains the universe down to the care and compassion and love of being a personal God to us who initiated and maintains a covenant with his people. The word Shaddai occurs 31 times in the book of Job and 17 times in the rest of the Bible. So those were just some interesting facts about the name. We see one instance of referring to God or the Lord as Almighty in Psalm 91, which we went over in May. And I will leave a link to that episode in the show notes as well if you want to go back and listen to the things we can learn and see in Psalm 91. And so it does say that he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. That was from Psalm 91 verses 1 and 2. And in that psalm, we see how God is a refuge from all of our storms, that we can find shelter and comfort and peace in him despite anything else that's going on in our lives, and that he is trustworthy. That's really the key, that we can trust him, look to him, call on him, and rely on him through anything that we experience in life. And then just one more instance also in Genesis of where we see God Almighty is in the story of Joseph. So in Genesis chapter 49. So most likely you're familiar with the story of Joseph and what he went through. But as a quick recap, very quick, he was kidnapped, almost murdered, sold into slavery, falsely accused of rape, and thrown into prison. 
So that is quite a cornucopia of bad, nasty circumstances that happened to him. And yet we see that God's intent was to use all of that for good. And he did bless Joseph and get him through all of that. So we get to Genesis 49, where Joseph's father, Jacob, was blessing all of his children on his deathbed. And so verses 22 through 26, it is Jacob blessing Joseph, and he refers to God as Almighty, or the Mighty One, as we will read here. Joseph is a fruitful bough, a fruitful bough by a spring. His branches run over the wall. The archers bitterly attacked him, shot at him, and harassed him severely, yet his bow remained unmoved. His arms were made agile by the hands of the Mighty One of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. By the God of your father who will help you, by the Almighty who will bless you, with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that crouches beneath, blessings of the breasts and of the womb, the blessings of your father are mighty beyond the blessings of my parents, up to the bounties of the everlasting hills. May they be on the head of Joseph and on the brow of him who was set apart from his brothers." So we see that it is part of God's nature to bless those who love him, which reminds me of Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, and those who are called according to his purpose. So it's always important to pay attention to the caveat that God blesses those who love him, and works things together for good for those who love God and for those who are called according to his purpose. We so often hear those thoughts and that verse either misquoted, misapplied, or missing parts of it altogether. My husband and I recently started watching a show on Netflix, and the mother in the show was portrayed as a Christian, and she would, like, she wasn't on the show very long at all. It was just the very beginning of the first episode. And then later, like the storyline jumps ahead by five years and she is passed on. But when she was alive in the first episode, she was portrayed as a Christian and would tell her daughter, all things work together for good. And then later on, you see she had a pillow on one of her chairs at her house embroidered with that on it. But it was just that part of the verse that all things work together for good, Romans 8, 28. And we just can't forget those little caveats in there that that aren't really that little, actually. They're very large, very important. And people need to understand that God is just not blessing everybody or doesn't just bless everybody who asks or some such a thing. But it is for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So for us, we are in the covenant. We do partake in his blessings. And he provides us with shelter, strength, refuge, peace, and all of the fruits of the Spirit. And those intangible things, like I've said in other episodes, are really the blessings that we are to be searching for in our life and not all of the other tangible things, material things or wealth and sometimes even relationships. It's anything that you could make into an idol that we think we should be blessed with, but that's not where it's found. So just a couple of closing thoughts from looking at the name El Shaddai. Consider whether the Almighty is on your side 
Or another way to say that would be, are you on his side? Do you love him? Are you worshiping him? Is he your Lord and Savior? Another thing is trust in the Almighty. Where are we placing our trust? If you're having a hard time trusting in him, keep on studying his attributes and learn who he is. Like I've said, the only way to have a relationship with someone is to know them and know who they are. You can't know someone or love someone or worship someone, which you're not supposed to worship people, but in this case, God, without knowing who he is. And then return to the Almighty and he will return to you. So learn who he is and you can trust him and then also be asking him to draw you to himself. So I'll end this section with a short prayer. Lord, help us to know you as our all-powerful God, our God Almighty. You're able to, you sustain and bless us, and you fulfill every promise that you have made. Help us to increase our awe and wonder of you and of your power, and help us to faithfully follow you and to grow our trust in you. Help us to focus on you and worship only you. Help us to see any idols or things that are inappropriate for us to be worshiping and focusing on instead of on you and to root those out. Help us to come to you and draw us to you. Thank you for being our refuge and shelter in times of storms. And as we realize in life that we are not enough, but you are, and you cover us with your perfection and righteousness so that we can have a relationship with you. And when we are worried and troubled, help us to turn to you and depend on you. We thank you for your love and your blessings and your shepherding of us. We ask all of this in your precious holy name. Amen. Now then, just as something fun to go through my pile of books, and I'll share with you what I have going on there. I'm going through some of these that are a little bit older first, and these are physical books that I have in hand. And I will end with the ones I'm most interested in, which are also the newer ones. The first book is Age of Opportunity by Paul David Tripp. And it is a biblical guide to parenting teens. Obviously, since we are in the middle of raising three daughters who are 12, 15, and 16, we look to this book for some guidance. And I have started it, but I have not yet finished it. It is a very, very good book, though. Another book that I started around the same time as the last book, but have not finished is Every Child Needs a Praying Mom by Fern Nichols. Perhaps you've heard of Moms in Touch International. Fern Nichols is the founder of that organization. I think back in a day when I used to listen to Moody Bible Institute's radio station almost on a daily basis, that they would have a segment in there with Fern Nichols and Moms in Touch International. So I don't know a whole lot about her and her organization outside of that, but I was reading this book to get ideas to pray or ways to pray for 
my children. All right, next on the pile, I have From Fear to Faith by Dean Martin Lloyd-Jones. The subtitle is Rejoicing in the Lord in Turbulent Times. And we have Choosing Gratitude, Your Journey to Joy by Nancy Lee DeMoss. We have Theological Fitness, Why We Need a Fighting Faith by Amy Bird. Even Better Than Eden, Nine Ways the Bible's Story Changes Everything About Your Story by Nancy Guthrie. Hearts of Fire, Eight Women in the Underground Church and Their Stories of Costly Faith. And this is a book that was free and put out by Voice of the Martyrs, which I sent away for. Women's Ministry in the Local Church by J. Ligon Duncan and Susan Hunt. Next, we have You and Me Forever, Marriage in Light of Eternity by Francis and Lisa Chan. Next, we have The Reformed Doctrine of Predestination by Lorraine Butner. He was born in 1901 and died in 1990. I am almost halfway through that book, and uh, it's kind of a weighty book, so I had to be in the right frame of mind to be thinking about theology and deeper doctrine, so um, I didn't go through that one fast. I have Redefining Christianity, Understanding the Purpose-Driven Movement by Bob Dewey. The Man of Sin, Uncovering the Truth About the Antichrist by Kim Riddlebarger. Spiritual Mothering, The Titus II Model for Women Mentoring Women by Susan Hunt. Why We're Not Emergent by Two Guys Who Should Be by Kevin DeYoung and Ted Cluck. Evangelism for the Faint-Hearted by Floyd Schneider. Word-Filled Women's Ministry, Loving and Serving the Church by Gloria Furman and Kathleen B. Nielsen. And then these next four books that I have were recommendations from our pastor, the church that we are going to be joining. They were recommended, um, I think, at the beginning of 2020, if I'm correct. He was going over sort of how important reading is and learning, and at the beginning of the year gave a list of some suggested books that might be beneficial. So we have How to Read a Book, The Classic Guide to Intelligent Reading by Mortimer J. Adler and Charles Van Doren, The Life of the Mind, A Christian Perspective by Clifford Williams, Think, The Life of the Mind and the Love of God by John Piper, and How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth by Gordon D. Fee and Douglas Stewart. Then the last three are the ones that I'm most motivated to read first. The first one is Heaven by Randy Alcorn, and I am the majority of the way through this, but it has taken me a while. Yeah, I'm on chapter 41, so it's, it's long, but it has been interesting and insightful. Um, I just got the book Fault Lines, The Social Justice Movement and Evangelicalism's Looming Catastrophe by 
Vody T. Bacham Jr. That one just came in a couple of weeks ago, and I did start it right away. I am through chapter four. So also not reading that like every second that I get a chance, but it's really good so far. And then I ordered Awake and Alive to Truth by John L. Cooper, who is the lead singer for the band Skillet. I've been listening to his podcast and um, really enjoying that. So back in December, I ordered his book. And so I've had it sitting here for at least six months. But I was trying to finish up Heaven and read Fault Lines, and then I'll get to that book. Okay, now over to my Kindle, which if they were actually real books, they would be stacked very high and be very heavy. So I'm thankful for Kindles. So (laughs) I'm looking at my library in my Kindle, and uh, I may not be able to read the author's names very clearly or well because I'm keeping the little tiny thumbnails of the books instead of clicking into them all. So um, I will try to do my best. An Impossible Marriage by Lori and Matt Krieg. The Book of Eden by Bruce Fleming. I want to read 1984 and Animal Farm by George Orwell. I'm currently also reading Love Thy Body by Nancy Piercy. I have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight books by A.W. Tozer. They are A Cloud by Day, A Fire by Night, The Knowledge of the Holy, Total Commitment to Christ, Man, the Dwelling Place of God, Paths to Ponder, Delighting in God, How to Be Filled with the Holy Spirit, and The Pursuit of God. I have read The Pursuit of God before, and I've also read The Knowledge of the Holy before, but I believe these books came in a pack, if you will, together. I've got The Fox's Book of Martyrs, Navigating Genesis by Hugh Ross, Frozen in Time. I'm sorry, I cannot see the author's name on this book thumbnail. The Early Church. Again, I cannot read the whole author's name here. Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Keeping your kids on God's side and also talking with your kids about God, both by Natasha Crane. The Golden Alphabet by Charles Spurgeon. The Atonement of Christ by Francis Turretin. Knowing Scripture by R.C. Sproul. How to Study the Bible by Dwight L. Moody. The Cross by J.C. Rao. Words of Warning by Charles Spurgeon. Life in Christ by Charles Spurgeon. Humility, the Beauty of Holiness by Andrew Murray. God, Greed, and the Prosperity Gospel by Kasi Hinn. The Duties of Parents by J.C. Ryle. This Changes Everything, How the Gospel Transforms the Teen Years. I can't see that name for sure of the author. What About Free Will by Scott Christensen. Introducing Covenant Theology by Michael Horton, 
which I talked about last episode, which I'm partway through. What is the Mission of the Church by Kevin DeYoung and Greg Gilbert. The Gospel Commission by Michael Horton. From God to Us, How We Got Our Bible by Norman Geisler and William Nix. Uh, Let's see, I have some more titles here by A.W. Pink um, and some more by R.C. Sproul. We Cannot Be Silent by Albert Moeller. Systematic Theology by Louis Burkhoff. Putting Amazing Back into Grace by Michael Horton. The World Tilting Gospel by Dan Phillips, which I started but did not complete yet. I have The Institutes of the Christian Religion by John Calvin. Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. Alone with God, Rediscovering the Power and Passion of Prayer by John MacArthur. Oh, and I have Relationships, A Mess Worth Making by Timothy Lane and Paul David Tripp. So those look like the bulk of the titles on my Kindle that I am reading or like to read. And I did skip over, obviously, books that I've already read. But I have enough reading to last me a lifetime. (laughs) Although there's books coming out all the time. So the cycle doesn't stop. But anyway, this is, I guess, a good reminder of me not to put books up as idols and... I have made it a habit to make sure that I am reading my Bible, studying God's Word first in the day before I sit down with any book. Because I know it's a dangerous trap that we could fall into to be reading so much outside of the Bible that we aren't taking time for the actual Word itself. And we need to make sure that we are in God's Word every single day. And I guess that's it for this episode. This podcast is part of the Christian Podcast Community. They have lots of podcasts for you to listen to. There's probably something that would interest you. So go over and check them out. They're at podcasts.strivingforeternity.org. My blog is www.kristen-hamilton.com, although I haven't written on it in a while. If you'd like to send me any topics for shows, go ahead to my email at inawonderpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Keep reading your Bibles.